When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to another Headlines episode here on the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On Headlines episodes, I give you the need-to-know environmental news stories in, hopefully, fingers crossed, 15 minutes or less. Now, today is extra special because towards the end of the show, I have an action item for you. If 2024 is your year to get more involved in the climate fight, I have a little action step for you in the second part of today's show. So stay tuned for that. And now let's get into the big story, which, of course, has everything to do with nanoplastics and our water. A new study out this week found that nanoplastics are even more common than microplastics in bottled water. Yes, that's true. People are swallowing hundreds of thousands of nanoplastics, which are microscopic pieces of plastic naked to the human eye every time they drink a liter of bottled water. This new paper found about 240,000 particles in the average liter of bottled water. Most of them, of course, are nanoplastics, which by definition are plastic particles measuring less than one micrometer. That, by the way, is 170th the width of a human hair. Now let's back up and remind ourselves about the problems associated with microplastics. Microplastics are a bit bigger than the nanoplastics. They range in size from one micrometer to half a centimeter in length, and they are found everywhere these days, on top of Mount Everest, in clouds, in oysters, in tap water, literally everywhere. And that's because your plastic water bottle and my shampoo bottle and your neighbor's orange juice container, all of these plastic items and more, they break down slowly over time into smaller and smaller pieces. This new study, again out this week, found pieces of PET, polyethylene terephthalate. That is what most plastic water bottles are made of. They also found polyamide, which is a type of plastic present in water filters. Researchers hypothesize this all means that plastic is getting into our water both from the bottle and from the filtration process. So if you have a water filtration pitcher in your kitchen, it might be getting rid of some of the other not-so-great things, but it may be inserting plastics, again, that you can't see into your water during filtration. Now, nanoplastics are indeed, at least in theory, small enough to get into our blood, our liver, our brain, and scientists do not yet know how dangerous these microscopic plastic particles are for human health. 
The hypothesis, though, in the scientific community is, of course, if microplastics are bad for human health, nanoplastics are likely even worse for human health. Now, a spokesman for the International Bottled Water Association chimed into the conversation. First of all, who knew there was an International Bottled Water Association? Anyway, in an email, the spokeswoman said that, quote, there is both a lack of standardized methods and no scientific consensus on the potential health impacts of nano and microplastic particles. Therefore, media reports about these particles in drinking water do nothing more than unnecessarily scare consumers, end quote. So according to that logic, because there's no definitive research on the fact that microplastics, nanoplastics are dangerous, we should continue to drink water out of our water bottles as, of course, the International Bottled Water Association wants us to do until that definitive scientific research comes out. I, for one, will not <laughs> be doing that. Now, of course, if you want to eat and drink less plastic, I have a couple thoughts for you. Use water bottles that are made of glass or steel. Stay away from the plastic water bottles. Skip the plastic straws. Use wood cutting boards instead of plastic ones. Perhaps you could even use a silicone cutting board as well, but wood is the best bet. Microwave your food. Microwave your drinks in anything that's not plastic. And at the grocery store, of course, prioritize the fruits and veggies that are, again, not wrapped in plastic. We're moving all along. We're talking about school buses. If your children are like mine, they may get to school on that yellow school bus. Well, the traditional yellow school bus, it runs on diesel. And diesel fumes are not only bad for the environment because of the pollution factor, but chronic exposure to diesel exhaust has also been linked to higher rates of childhood asthma and cancer. Research has also found that chronic exposure can worsen school performance. Well, the Biden administration announced this week nearly $1 billion for school districts to replace their diesel buses with cleaner versions, which includes electric buses. The Environmental Protection Agency will give out grants to allow more than 280 school districts, that's 7 million students nationwide, to purchase more than 2,700 clean buses. School districts in low-income and rural and tribal communities account for 86 of grant recipients so far. Sounds good. However, I must mention that the transition to electric Buses has been a bumpy ride for some districts. And yes, I did use the term bumpy ride on purpose because who doesn't love a good pun? And the bumpy ride is not due to the fact that school districts have had trouble purchasing the new vehicles. That's not where the trouble lies. The trouble lies in the fact that there's a charging problem. Buses suck an enormous amount of power from the grid. And so if you have an electric bus and you're charging it, there isn't enough infrastructure to charge, let's say, 25 buses and deliver the electricity those 25 buses need. Utility companies say that there's a shortage of high-voltage transformers and they'll need to run additional lines to charge all the buses. One company said it could take up to two years to complete that process. And the LA Times also reported that some rural school districts have found that in areas where charging stations are scarce, the electric buses are unable to cover the long distances between schools and students' homes. 
So in California in particular, especially in the rural north, some have, you know, bought the new buses, but they're continuing to use the diesel buses for this reason. So bumps in the road for sure, but overall, environmentalists and public health advocates, they're happy. They have applauded the clean school bus program. They say it will benefit the children most dependent on school buses, which include students of color and those from low-income neighborhoods. So that's some good news out of the White House. We're going to take our break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some bad news out of the White House that the White House, of course, is not <laughs> is not mentioning in its official correspondence with the rest of us. So we're going to get there, and we're going to get to our action step that I have for all of you after a quick sponsor break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch, They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Before the break, we discussed nanoplastics in our drinking water. We also discussed the clean school bus program coming out of the White House. And now we're staying in the White House and we're talking about a key record that has been broken during Biden's presidency. And it's not a good one. You ready for it? The United States, as of this moment in time, is producing more oil than any country has ever, ever So let's talk numbers for a minute. The United States is producing about 13.2 million barrels of crude oil per day. I'm going to say that again. We're producing here in the United States, just the United States, 
13.2 million barrels of crude oil per day. That is millions of gallons more than is coming out of Saudi Arabia or Russia or anywhere else on the globe. It is more oil than was being produced even at the peak production of former President Trump's administration when production at its peak was 13 million barrels a day in November of 2019. So we're producing a lot of oil here in the United States. This has played a huge part in dropping the average price of a gallon of regular gasoline nationwide to about $3. And while Biden's White House has publicly celebrated the decline in gas prices, hooray economy, right? And while the White House has pledged to help consumers struggling with inflation, President Biden has largely stayed mum about the fact that we are at the moment producing more oil than any country ever has ever. Now, of course, the politics of oil are tricky and especially tricky for Democrats whose base consists of climate conscious young voters, right? Many of these climate-conscious young voters, I'm climate-conscious, I'm not young, but we want to hear that Biden is doing everything in his power to limit global warming, keep oil in the ground, live up to his campaign promises, the whole nine yards. And still, there's the rest of the country who votes with their wallets, right? They want oil prices down. They do not want to be hit hard by inflation. And frankly, neither do I. But in a statement, a White House spokesperson said, quote, the president is implementing the largest investment in climate ever, putting the United States on a path to cut climate pollution in half by 2030. And the president will continue to take bold climate action and rally world leaders to raise their collective ambition, end quote. Well, of course, environmentalists, we aren't happy. (laughs) Biden approved the Willow Pipeline project, if you remember. There was also that separate decision to fast track a controversial pipeline in West Virginia. Environmentalists argue that there is a real palpable dissonance between the commitments that are being made versus what the Biden administration is actually doing. On the one hand, there's drilling permits. But then on the other hand, there's a lot of talk about the need to move away from fossil fuels. That dissonance feels icky. Climate activists also say that base voters are frustrated by the softening of the president's stance on fossil fuels and mobilizing the climate-focused voters ahead of the 2024 election is going to be difficult. However, and this is where things get really interesting, others keep the big picture in mind, which is this, a short-term boost in domestic oil production, which is happening right now, and subsequently a corresponding decline in gas prices nationwide, all of that could have long-term benefits for environmentalists if we take the long view. And that's because lower numbers at the pump right now ahead of the 2024 presidential election could help prevent the return to power of former President Trump or whoever the Republicans nominate. I read a quote here discussing all of this, and it was, quote, The fastest way to end all of American climate action is to see oil prices dramatically rise and have Republicans get elected to office, end quote. 
So between a rock and a hard place for sure. And now we're moving on to today's action item. It links right into our previous story. Listener Donna wrote to me about a proposed liquid natural gas, LNG, liquid natural gas expansion in the Gulf of Mexico, and especially particularly in Louisiana. This proposed LNG expansion, it's the largest fossil fuel build-out in the world. And if the fossil fuels industry gets its way, it will build over 20 new LNG export facilities in the Gulf. These projects all together, it is estimated they will emit as much pollution as over 850 coal-fired power plants. And one project in particular called the CP2 Project, slated for southwest Louisiana, it's just one of these facilities, it's projected that that one project would cause 20 times as much carbon pollution as that Willow Project that Biden approved in Alaska. Now, last week on Headlines, I covered environmental racism and Cancer Alley, if you listen to it. Let's remember that the impacts of climate change fall most heavily on low-income communities and communities of color, precisely because these polluting projects, the one we're talking about right now, they're proposed in communities that already bear the burden of heavy industry. They are on the front lines of bigger hurricanes and storms caused by climate change also. So if you care about the environment, you should care about this. <laughs> and if you care about racial justice, you should also care about this. There is a stellar quote, and forgive me, I don't know off the top of my head who to attribute it to, but the quote is essentially, activism is the price I pay for living on this planet. And so today, if you haven't done your good deed yet and you're ready, if you're on board, I've included a link in this week's show notes to sign a petition circulating by actionnetwork.org. The petition specifically calls for the U.S. Department of Energy to stop the CP2 project and all new permit approvals until the Department of Energy looks at the impact of these facilities on the climate and on our communities. I signed the petition. It took 15 seconds, I know, because I timed myself. You have 15 seconds to sign a petition today to help the planet. You can do that. Now, if you do that and you want some extra credit, your extra credit is to write to your elected officials. I have also inserted a link into this week's show notes as to like a little template for you to use. And then finally, if you really want to go above and beyond on this issue, Perhaps if you live in the D.C. area, there is a nonviolent protest planned at the Capitol between February 6th and 8th, again, specifically to protest this proposed fossil fuel build-out in the Gulf. So thank you so much, Donna, for alerting me to this issue. Listeners, I just want to say before we go that going forward, I would love, and I'm planning to, add in action items for you in these headlines episodes, because if you listen to them religiously, and if you're at minute 16 here, <laughs> I'm willing to guess you listen to these episodes religiously. It can maybe feel like, you know, I have all these, pro there are all these problems, and what can I do about them? So I want to say to all of you, I'm going to try my darndest going forward and when applicable to add in a little action item so that you can contribute some good. We will be back on Tuesday where we are discussing the fast furniture and fast decor problem. So you know what fast fashion is. If you know what fast fashion is, you know what fast decor is. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, how we can do better. I'll see you then. 
Have an amazing weekend. As always, you know where to find me. Reach out if you need me and take care.